Coaches. Blow the whistle, ay. Blow the whistle, ay. Blow the whistle, they can't hold a flame against you, ay. Blow the whistle, ay. Blow the whistle, ay. Blow the whistle, got the game, it ain't no issue, yeah. Blowing the whistle, I had enough with you, the championship, it is gone. Ain't listen to you, I can't give it to you, cause you don't know what I've been on. This is the coaches, podcast, ripping up everything, off that. Hey guys, welcome into the Fantasy Coaches Podcast. It's your host, Steve Pintado, and with me as always is my main man, Jabron Curtis. What's going on, Jibs? Oh, it's going good, uh... Just chilling, you know, hump day, just trying to get through the week. But other than that, I'm, I'm here to talk some tight ends, my uh, least favorite position. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're continuing back on our rankings episode. Uh, if you hasn't seen the quarterbacks and the running backs, we did those over the last couple of weeks. So we're on tight ends now, and we have a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, our guest for tonight will be on shortly. Uh, one of our teammates, uh, Jesse, will be on shortly. He has uh, dinner plans. Uh, that he had to take care of so he had to be a little delayed on our plans tonight so we're starting now and throughout the show hopefully by the time we get to some of those big differences that we have in our rankings we'll bring in jesse and we'll go from there so uh let's start the day with some news obviously there's a lot of things going on still uh every day if we haven't been seeing all the hype video jibs uh preston williams with the one-handed catches in practice uh, you know, everyone's looking good out there. I'm, I'm liking it. I don't know if you've been looking at it, but just watching these players on the field and getting me hyped. Uh, it does get me hyped. I tend not to watch it because it kind of sways my mind so much, <laughs> <laughs> especially for those uh, high value players. But yeah, it's definitely good seeing some film of some of these guys out there. That Preston Williams catch was phenomenal. Yeah. And, um, Metcalf or Wilson. My boys and Coach P came back this day. So. Oh yeah, Shout so out. I'm I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, quick news tonight is nothing crazy. We're not going to go into detail, but you know, just some you know big hot stories you know not hot stories but some stories uh you know um josh jacobs my one of my big guys this year i'm high on well, goal is to get catch 60 balls this year that's making me feel good again all this is just talk guys uh greg ward from the philadelphia eagles is gonna be in the mix of the starting job possibly so look out for that i know just probably isn't as thrilled <laughs> seeing greg ward on the field but uh you know there's a possibility uh marlon mack is going to be the starter, says coach, and they're going to ride the hot hand. So if it turns into Jonathan Taylor at some point, which it will, uh, yeah, we'll go from there. T.Y. is off the inactive list, so that is great news for his health. Um, and, yeah, and that's really it. There's some rumors out there that George Kittle signed his, you know, contract extension. Uh, Jibs just told me, though, you know, that could be a little fake. So we'll, we'll find out by the time we get on to Monday's podcast how realistic that is. But... Just wanted to throw that out there to you guys. But again, you're getting all these hype videos. Don't take them too in-depth. Listen to certain things the coaches are saying, though, to some extent. But don't let that sway your vote completely. Uh, they're going to be hyping up their players, and that's kind of what coaches are going to do. They're not going to say their their player is bad. Like They're just not going to say that. So just keep that in mind, guys. But we're going to get into our main topic. And I, like Jibs mentioned, we're talking tight ends tonight, guys. Tight end rankings. We're going to go through as many as we can. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a three-way rankings between me, Jibs, and our boy Jesse. And we're going to just start from the top. And I would say consensus says that Travis Kelsey is the number one over a tight end, but our boy Jesse had to mention to two. Um, maybe if we have time, we'll ask him why he's got Kittle one. But Jibs, uh, it, it seems pretty you know self-explanatory. Uh, Travis Kelsey is the number one overall tight end, as he should be. But how high do you want to take this guy? I mean, is how when's the cutoff between wide receiver and taking Travis Kelsey to you? For me, if like he's sitting there like pick 22, 23, I think that's like you can't like turn that down. But I, I, I've been like akin to the strategy of getting some decent, I guess, elite tight ends early on. So. That kind of just like helps your team right then and there. Obviously, you're kind of hurting, but like if you get a good running back, a wide receiver, and you get a tight end, you're pretty much set. You just got to fill it up from there. So for Kittle and Kelsey, like if the mid mid twenties, early twenties, I'll I'll definitely take them in uh, late round two, definitely in round three. All right. So Kenny Galladay or Travis Kelsey? 
I think I'm gonna take Travis Kelsey. Okay. So you have that um the position and advantage right there, and you still could kind of find your way at wide receiver. Okay. Like, there's no Travis Kelsey's, but you could find or hope to find a Kenny Galladay production like kind of receiver. I don't think on par, but Allen Robinson or Travis Kelsey. I'm just going based off our overall rankings with our team. You know, Kenny Galladay's at eight, Allen Robinson's at seven. So, yeah, just a good point. Oh, they're both target hogs. I think I'll take Allen Robinson though. All right, so that's the cutoff right now. It seems like. Well, maybe is this Chris Godwin or DeAndre Hopkins over Kelsey? No. No. Oh, so those guys are behind Kelsey. You're saying? Chris Car. <laughs> Chris Godwin. And- DeAndre Hawkins. Yes. I'll pick those guys ahead of okay. Travis Kelsey. So it looks like, guys, the top seven wide receivers, he's basically the top eight catch, pass catcher. And that's kind of what you're looking at right now with Travis Kelsey. When do you take him? Jibs just mentioned late, you know, this seems like late round two. Um, and, and he should be because he kind of profiles as that. You know, basically their number one pass catcher. I know we Tyreek Hill's there, and he's going before uh, Travis Kelsey, way before Travis Kelsey in drafts. But as we know, he's been the target leader over the last couple of seasons. He's been there, uh, you know, just the dominant force for this team. And all season long, I mean, even when he was kind of down last year, I don't know if you remember, Jibs, you know, he was kind of playing a little, he didn't have that big games early on. He was still tight end three. And then he turned it up when Mahomes came back, tight end one overall. I mean, just dominant. The only thing that kind of scares me is that, is that maybe, and it's just because the way the team is built, that he doesn't see as many red zone receptions. It's probably because his team just is explosive and sees more downfield throws and big playability than, than having those, you know, fight for every yard to get to the red zone. But this is a guy, guys, if you want to take a tight end early, you're getting a good production week in and week out. And he has big game potential every single week. Yeah, I love those two both, but we gotta get to the rest of the crew. That's when we're gonna have some disparity, and we're gonna have some conflicts for sure. Absolutely, I just wanted to let people know about you know Kravis Kelsey because he's at that top tier t- talent to him. So, um, oh for sure, yeah, elite floor, elite floor. So going into number two, we uh, number two is George Kittle. Uh, both me and Jibs have at number two. Jesse has him at one. Uh, what can you say about George Kittle? I'm assuming he's more of a round three pick for you than that round two kind of pick. Yeah, he's more around three pick, and he would be my number one. But I just think the Kansas City offense is just more is going to be more productive in the air rather than the San Francisco. Like he is the main thing there, especially with Debo going down. Maybe that's the reason why Jesse hasn't won that he's going to pick up some um, targets and some reception totals early on in the season. So I can see Jesse's point on that, but oh, I could see why he could have him there. But I, I think t- George Kittle is a quality player that you could probably snag snag in the beginning of round three and i wouldn't feel bad about that either yeah see for me when it comes to george kiddo i feel like he's a guy who's like locked in a cage and like he's gonna continue to be locked in the cage because the way this team is built they built this team strong on defense strong on the run game and you saw it between 18 and 19 the, the efficiency just dropped he had the same amount of targets same amount of receptions but his overall yardage touchdowns just dropped and and I just think that's the way that the team was built. They're going to be winning games. They're not going to be force-feeding George Kittle the ball. I wish they were. I wish they were a pass-first team. Imagine George Kittle and Kansas City's offense. It would have been a, it'd be amazing. And But that's what you're getting. I mean, I would say Debo takes a little bit of effect to his target share. He might see a little bit more of an increase, maybe like 120 maybe. But I don't know how. It depends on where Debo's out. Debo's out. George Kittle could be a sick around two pick if he's not out probably more around three pick because of the limitation with this team and their passing ability they're just not a big passing team even with george kittle being the number one on their team and you could say a thing from 2018 and 2019 could be some of his uh i remember when george kittle was spoiled on the scene he had a lot of uh yards after catch on some crazy catches and catching a run so maybe he missed a couple big plays last year but still you're still getting a thousand yard plus tight end with the 80 plus catch total yeah absolutely definitely and now we'll go over to number three now and number three is mark andrews uh you have him just one spot below you have him below your boy zach or it's like probably understand why uh but what what's kind of your outlook with mark mark andrews this coming season you know can he improve on what he did last year 
Yeah, I, I think he still can improve. Like he can hopefully uh, have more snap percentages on the field and not like be sitting out as much. Uh, we know Hayden Hurst left. Not that he was like kind of exploding on the scene as well, but with Lamar Jackson potentially improving as a passer and the Ravens passing offense getting to that next gear, I just believe the number one go-getter there is going to be Mark Andrews until the receiving core gets established. Yeah, with, with Mark Andrews, what it is is that, you know, he's the number one guy on the team, and the biggest thing is that the Ravens ran a lot of two tight end sets, so I think his playability on the field is really good right now, and he's going to continue to see you know, targets, he's going to continue to see touchdown opportunities because he's kind of like Lamar Jackson's wide receiver one on the team. They, they run through the tight end position, and that's what you're kind of getting with Mark Andrews. You're getting a guy with upside, especially in the touchdown category. I know he had 10 last year. I could see him getting 10 again. That's kind of how efficient he is with his touchdowns that he's going to continue to get. I just don't see the run game getting as many touchdowns as they did last year, even though that, you know, with all these running backs back there, the passing game's going to improve with Lamar Jackson, and I think Mark Andrews can improve with it, can see a 1,000-yard season in his third year. So uh, what round would you take uh, Mark Andrews' chips? I would say round four. Round four, okay. That's probably a, a good round for him overall to go into. I think at the top for me, personally, I don't think I'm taking like guys in this area right now unless they fall to round five or six just because at that point there's so many talented wide receivers and running, not running backs, but wide receivers in that four to five range. Um, but we do have our guest finally in here. He's done eating dinner finally. He had his lobster ravioli, and now he's ready to come and talk some fantasy football. Jesse, what's going on, buddy? Hey guys. Welcome in. How was the lobster ravioli? <laughs> it was fun. How are you guys hanging out? We're doing good. We're talking some tight ends, you know? Can't beat it. Absolutely. Nothing better than fantasy football talk. Absolutely. Besides your little baseball talk you got going on, we're talking fantasy tonight, though. <laughs> yeah, so boy Jesse, he does, a, does some great work doing baseball. If you like baseball, he does some great baseball work with Unwrap Sports. So if you like baseball, go give him a follow on that. Uh, but we're going to go right into our tight end number four real quick here. Uh, Zach Ertz uh, comes in at number four on our board here. Uh, Jesse, I'll let you start the uh, start it off here. Give me a reason why you don't wouldn't want to draft Zach Ertz. Oh, gosh. Hitting me with the hard-hitting analysis already, huh? <laughs> Should have gave me that one. <laughs> I will say why I don't love him is because they have added so many pieces to the Dolphins. So, I get it. You have Goodwin sitting out. Uh, you have a few other unknown pieces to that Eagles offense. But, you know, I just... I, I, I Me, personally, I think the top three are far and away separated on another tier so to me he's part of the second tier that uh, you know he, he's got that safety but he's just never going to probably win you a week and so that's probably the downside of Ertz is you know you have that safety blanket that Wentz can always go to do and let's be honest they still don't have a great uh, you know uh, list of weapons there. You know, Jeffrey's hurt. They have Goodwin out. Uh, a few other pieces are just unknown. You know, that the rookies that it, you just never know what you're going to get. So I still think he'll act as that security blanket for Earth. But to me, you know, when it comes down to after these last three guys, these middle tier tight ends just go too high for me. I'm taking a wide receiver or a running back or maybe even a quarterback in this tier of when these guys go and for that reason I'm probably going to be out on her. Alright, alright. No, I definitely definitely understand your take. Jibs, I know you're, you're the guy who believes he's in that first tier, tier still. You know, I would say make a kiss against it but why Zach Ertz? Why, why, I know you're Eagles fan but why Zach Ertz? You should pick Zach Ertz just because of all the uh, things Jesse just mentioned. Uh, the receiving game isn't on par right now. Like, Alshon Jeffrey's not going to be ready for the start of the season. Uh, we have a bunch of rookies. We have Greg Ward. We have the Sean Jackson. So uh, 
Hurts has been the main target getter for a long time running in Philadelphia. Um, even though the receivers were hurt last year, like some of his numbers could be inflated. But at the end of the day, like I can't have him in that elite tier, the top three, just because of Dallas Goddard. He's coming onto the scene, and there could be disparities. Top Targets have dropped, but at the end of the day, I believe he's the best next thing you could get coming from the um, the rest of these tight ends that we're going to talk about. All right, no, uh, I'm a little on Jibs' side, and it's mostly because where he's going in a lot of drafts, a lot of things I've been watching is that he's fallen to that round five, sometimes round six, and I think, yes, he's got issues with the new core coming in. Yes, Dallas Goddard is there, but when Dallas, when you know the receivers are healthy, Dallas Goddard wasn't an issue back in the day. He had 27 receptions for the first eight games, and he jumped up to like 44. So... I think this is Zach Ertz's team when he's the st- when the team's healthy and when there's enough wide receivers to go about on this Eagles team. And you should be comfortable if you see him in that, I think, five to six range that you're getting a pretty solid tight end. Granted, there's going to be great wide receivers, as Jesse said, in that range. So you have to take your pick on that. But uh, you're getting a guy who's probably going to see 100 targets. And, and if you want to have a stable tight end, uh, you're getting it with Zach Ertz. Because after this... I think the tier kind of goes up and down, and we have a lot of variances at this point. This is seems to be the last sure thing when it comes to tight ends. After this, it's all they could have good weeks, they could have bad weeks. And we're going to talk about number five right now, Darren Waller from the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Jesse, we're going to let you go first because you have Waller so low. So tell me, uh, why are you not on the Waller train? Yeah. Uh, he didn't score many touchdowns last year, and it wasn't due to the fact that he was just getting unlucky. I mean, they just weren't really targeting him down there. And they've added, I mean, look at all the pieces they added in the offseason. They added, what, Brian Edwards, Glenn Bowden in the draft, as well as Henry Ruggs, the first-round pick. I mean, they just added so many different weapons, and I feel like he is a good player from a talent perspective, but I feel like a lot of his production last year came from the fact that he was one of the only horses in town. You know, he was one of the only guys that Carr had to throw it to. So now you add all these other pieces in, uh, you know, all these rookies that we just discussed. And I just don't think the opportunity is going to be there for him. And for that reason, you know, you're kind of just at that point banking on touchdown, you know, touchdown percentages falling in his favor when he's not getting the volume that he was last year. And for that reason, I think I'm just a bit down on him compared to most of the field. All right. No, I, I definitely understand your reasoning. I'm definitely a little shaky with him at five right now. I just, I'm hoping it comes down to that John Gruden just continues to like the tight end position, even though with the amount of weapons there and hoping that the more weapons may open up Waller for more opportunity. Uh, Jibs, why do you have him at five? I just thought he was, like, the best next thing after that. Uh, Jesse had uh, great points. Like, they did add weapons in the draft, and they added Greg Old. I mean, um, uh, Jason Wedden. So, I don't know what John Gruden has planned, but I kind of feel uh, disgusting in my stomach right now having a my five, actually, if you're asking me right now. Because there's, there's going to be a lot of variance to this Oakland Raider offense. Yeah, no. A, a, a difference? Can you come up with it? any other team in the whole league? Can you come up with the drastic difference on the athletic ability and speed on the players that they drafted and then <laughs> adding Jason Witten? Yeah, I don't understand. Well, see, I, I think Jason Witten was a guy who was just brought in to be a veteran presence. I don't believe Jason Witten has a huge role with this team. He's going to see opportunity. And there's definitely going to be games where he gets like two touchdowns and just ruins your season. But Darren Wallace is an athletic guy. He had 540 uh, yards after the catch last year. It, it ranked second among tight ends last year. So the kid can catch the ball downfield. That That's part of the reason why I have him as high as I still do is because if anything, and again, it could go the other way on this, and that's why I said after the top four, it could go either way at this point that the receivers get the opportunity. But if they don't, Darren Waller is going to see more, uh, less, lesser coverage, if anything, at that point with the wide receivers spread out around the field and just 
giving him that opportunity to catch the ball deep and then go with it. And that's my reasoning on why he's the fifth guy on my board right now still. Today's episode is brought to you by Kangaroo. Kangaroo was created to ensure that everyone has access to home security. Every product Kangaroo makes starts with three questions. Is it simple? Can it be produced at a price that everyone can afford? And is it secure? With Kangaroo, you never pay for unnecessary bells and whistles that you know your data is going to be secured. The front door security kit is a simple setup with no tools, no tech geeks required. If you have Wi-Fi and a smartphone, you can use Kangaroo. Go to heykangaroo.com to learn more and start keeping your home safe today. And be sure to use the code RINGDONG for 20% off any Kangaroo Complete subscription order. Try it today, guys. Keep yourself safe. We'll go to number six because we should keep going along here. Uh, Evan Ingram, New York Giant guy. Uh, we all know him over the last couple of seasons now. Hasn't been able to stay healthy. Uh, Jesse, you still have him at number five, though. Um, you know, you expecting him to be able to play more than, like, you know, 10 games this season? Expecting that's a that's a uh, that's a little strong of a statement. No, I'm not expecting him to do that. But I factored him in this way because I just there's so much uncertainty and and so you know, tight end is deeper this year in my opinion than any other year that I can remember in the last you know four or five honestly. And so. If I'm going to take that approach and have a feeling that a lot of these guys can make a huge flash, then I have to factor in the fact that if he just stays healthy, the guy is one of the most athletic tight ends in the league. And none of the other receivers in that receiving core can really stay healthy either. So if he does stay healthy, I think he'll be one of the target leaders. I think he'll probably be behind... Golden Tate and maybe even Saquon, depending on how they run that offense. And I just feel like if he has the ability to stay healthy, he—I don't feel great about it. <laughs> Tight end's a rough one. Tight end is a rough one, guys. <laughs> Jibs, you have him down at seven. Um, is it too risky for you to take him within the first eight rounds? No, I don't think it's too risky. The like, guy. I- the guy came to reality and I know what I'm getting in bed with I'm like drafting Evan Ingram like he's bound to break down but I just think the the upside is just like too um, you can't really turn that down like he was tight in five his rookie year and we see what he could do when he is healthy and with the Daniel Jones and <laughs> the lack of trustable and uh, quality receivers week in and week out I think Evan Ingram can be a he could be number one if everything goes right, but we haven't seen anything go right with them for two years now. Yeah, Ingram yeah, is that. I was just going to say, I maybe want to make one last point. Ingram's the kind of guy that you draft, and then you also draft one of these other guys that we'll discuss here in a bit. You know, if that's the strategy you want to take, you maybe use that safety blanket and adding one of these high upside guys that are being drafted outside of the top eight or nine guys and maybe you just double up at the tight end position that way you have a secure uh, safety blanket behind Ingram if he does go down yeah and I said that's a good way to go about it Jesse definitely Excited. he's a risk guys but when he's on the field he's a top five tight end so it's it really depends to you at your point in the draft that you could say that he could be a number one tight end overall but he's with a good shot. He gets hurt and doesn't play an entire season. Uh, I think he would probably be one of the better target leaders because we've seen him. We've seen Daniel Jones throw to him one game and he did really well. And then he saw Caden Smith last year even play very well as the backup. So obviously Daniel Jones likes the tight end position. So that's what you're kind of getting with Evan Ingram. You're taking a big, you're taking a big risk with him because he could pay off and be a league winner for you, or he could be you know win you a couple games and then not be there for the playoffs. So. When you think about taking him, you think about you have to take that risk if you're going to take him. So, And going over to number seven, we have Hunter Henry. And, Jesse, you have Hunter Henry down at number 13 tight end overall. Why no love for Hunter Henry, man? I love this guy's talent. I really do. I just want the uh, – his, his, I want his situation to be drastically different than it is. I am of the belief that 
and I've heard rumors that this new Chargers offense is going to try to model their offense off of what Baltimore did last year. And if that's the case, these guys are going to be running it a lot. So I think he could be a touchdown machine if Tyrod, you know, decides to target him inside the 10. But I just don't know about this offense in general. And for that reason, I have a lot of the San Diego pass catchers down. And it's not because I don't like them. It's just because I don't know. And there's too much uncertainty for me to take the risk of taking him at seventh overall tight end. And that's just the bottom line. I mean, I don't really have any other explanation other than the fact that I just don't know what that offense is going to bring us in 2020. Well, if they're anything like the Raiders offense and Mark Andrews, I kind of want them. But, Jibs, uh, why, are you, why are you obviously up there with me at number six tight end overall with Hunter Henry? Besides Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry himself and obviously Austin Eckler, I, just don't, I think that their main weapons of the offense, I don't think the offense is going to change dramatically just because Phillip Rivers isn't there anymore. They're still going to throw it through people, albeit it's going to be a new quarterback. It's just some people don't trust Tyrod Taylor. I think he would be a quality starter. He's not going to blow the freaking water out of the stadium or anything by means, but I still think these guys could get production. And I think Hunter Henry is just a, just a quality guy you could get that's in the middle of the draft right now yeah he comes with a little risk guys because he does have injury concerns over his career but let me tell you what Tyrod Taylor did in three seasons with Buffalo and their tight end position Charles Clay who obviously Hunter Henry knows a more athletic just an overall better tight end in three seasons 77 targets 51 receptions 800 and 800 528 yards and three touchdowns next season 85 targets 57 receptions 540 yards and four touchdowns his final season there 74 targets, 49 yards, and 588 yards and two touchdowns. Granted, the touchdowns aren't there, uh, and that's an issue that Jesse kind of brought up. But 500 yards, I mean, for a tight end, that's pretty, like, that's a tight end one, basically. Most times that is not. He may not see the top tier. He may not get there. But at this point, this is what you're looking at with tight ends, I think, personally. And that's kind of why I have him at six still, because I don't see many more tight ends after him, besides a couple who have, like, big shots getting more than like 500 yards and i think hunter henry 500 yards maybe 600 because of his athletic ability uh could produce a decent fantasy number and and that's really why i'm ha- having him at six overall still and going over to number eight now this is a big he- scratcher we're all pretty even on him uh but it's tyler higby and uh, personally i don't know why i have him at nine and, and for me it, it, it's either he's gonna have that amazing season that you saw late in the year they ran the 12 personnel consistently or they're going to see you're going to see the first half of the season where Gerald Everett gets mixed back in and he just doesn't perform and I don't know like what your guys concern are, concerns are with him but that, that's my biggest concerns like I have him as a top 10 because he could produce probably a top three season possibly but he could also be a guy who finishes outside the top 20 um, what are your guys' takes on Tyler Igby? Just oh my gosh! Do you have a coin to flip? <laughs> I I can't make up my mind. I can't make up my mind if I'm high, if I'm low, if I'm too high, if I'm too low. That's why I have him where I have him. I just could not make up my mind as to whether I'm in on him or I'm out on him. And for that reason, I probably won't have much exposure. I'm just gonna be honest. I I tend to gravitate towards a certain guys you know i i have my guys that are more uh that i have higher rank than other people do and those are the guys that i typically tend to lean towards when you know uncertainty brings you so many different types of emotions that you almost just have to go with the guys that you feel comfortable with and for that reason i just don't know about higby i think there's going to be a bit of regression i think Obviously, Everett, I, I kind of like Everett as just a, a talented pass catcher. I don't think that's being factored in enough. I think the offensive line there is going to be very bad. So I'm a bit worried about, you know, just them being able to sustain drives and those types of things to produce touchdowns. And I just don't think he's going to produce enough yardage to 
you know, make it worthwhile. And for that reason, I probably won't have much exposure, but it would not surprise me at all if I'm a little bit off on him because I, like I said, I'm just completely confused. I don't know how I feel about it. All right, no, definitely. Like I said, I'm, I'm on the same boat with you. I'm so shocked right now. Uh, Jim, are you on this uh, who hell knows kind of boat right now? Yeah, I move him up, I move him down. I don't know where to put him to. Um, it kind of feels like eight or nine is pretty high just because of we, we don't know how the office and operative ever comes back into play and he gets half of that production. Like he finished with 700 and it'll say like 750 yards and he got 500 plus yards at that last five games of the season. So he was basically a 200 yard tight end, receiving tight end for like 12 weeks, which is wild. You don't want that drafting that tight end eight. But I still can't dispute what we saw though last year and he won me a championship so I, I can't bury the guy but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. It could be good or bad. You just never know. This is one of those moves you put in and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, you gotta move on. Yeah, basically. And that's where you guys should kind of take this. You're taking a risk if you take them. I think round nine, round ten I think is the most safest play at that point because yeah, I mean, obviously, hopefully he goes lower, but at that point, I think the risk is okay to take a guy who could probably be a top five, top five season. I mean, he had the most red zone receptions among tight ends last year. I mean, Brandon Cooks is gone. I mean, there are good qualities that he could produce what he did last year. It just We just don't know what this Rams team is going to do. So, again, it's a mystery with Tyler Higby overall. And going into number nine is my boy, Mike Gusecki from Miami. Uh, we have him... What? I love it. Go ahead. All right. Well, I know why. You know, I know you love him, Jesse, because you have him at seven. So I love that. But Jibs, you're gonna go. You're going on the hot seat for this one, Mister Hot Take. Fourteen. Fourteen. Oh, I, I took a little glance at it. You moved him up two okay. spots after I said check your check your rankings again. Two spots. Okay. I I watched that. Two spots. You have him at sixteen. Now he's at fourteen. Oh yeah, that's good. Is good. Come on, what's up? Why why so low? Well, uh, I guess I'm not high enough, but obviously I think I need to embed more of the Dolphins player that opted out earlier, or I guess earlier the last couple of weeks. But um, yeah, I you just don't know. Like Preston Williams coming back, Devontae Parker will be there still, and I just feel like. Maybe if a quarterback change happens, I don't really think so with our conversation, Steve, off mic. But I just can't be on with a Dolphins receiver, a Dolphins setting yet. All right. Uh, well, I think you can crack top 12 for me, though. I guess I'll give you a couple more negatives on it. I mean, Chad Ganley, Ganley's offense has never really featured a tight end. So, I mean, there's something there as well if, you, if you're looking at it that way. But, Jesse, tell me why Mike Evans, not Mike Evans, Mike Gusecki yeah, at seven. I know why. Uh, I love the talent. I think if Ailey just does a little bit of research into how they ran the offense last season, he was used as a receiver, man. He was not used as a tight end late in the year last year. And if maybe I'm wrong on this, but I feel like there is something to the idea that a rookie tight end or a rookie quarterback is going to have a little bit of favoritism towards the safety net of having that tight end that can produce. I don't know if there's any stats to back that up, but I've always been a believer. When Mariota first got there, I was taking Delaney Walker all over the place when he was a late round tight end, and it worked out great for me. And, you know, similar to uh, that, you know, when, when he started defending, Earth became a big deal, and they were both young in their career. So I just feel like there's something to that, and I love just his ability. And if they're able to get him the ball in open space at all, I feel like he's going to succeed. And the other thing that makes me really like him is he's such a hot name right now that even if he doesn't pan out, he's a guy you can flip early in the season. He's a guy that if you don't believe, if you see something that you're you know, all of a sudden out on him, and you fall off and you're not a believer, there's somebody in your league that's going to be a Mike guy. And 
you know, when you have guys like Higby that we discussed, those guys are a lot of times guys that are tweener. Nobody really knows how to feel about them. So the only way you're going to get real value out of those guys is if they blow up week one or week two and they have a huge week that you can flip them. Otherwise, if Higby has two straight weeks in the first two weeks of like seven points, nobody's going to want him. Whereas if Higby, there's so many believers in such a hot name to begin with, even if he starts slow, you might be able to talk somebody else in your league into taking him from him. Yeah, uh, as you guys all know, I'm a big fan of Mike Kosicki. I got him in a lot of my dynasty leagues this year. And just to, like another point, real quick, to go off of Jesse's is that I think Ryan, even with the coaching, you know, the new coaching style, Ryan Fitzpatrick's still going to air the ball out. And, and basically, they lost their th- third wide receiver. Like Jib said, he's basically their third wide receiver at this point. And I think he could get a good amount of yards as, as a tight end. Guys, remember, he's not a wide receiver; he's a tight end still. So you expect, you know, what you're getting from a tight end. And even if they switch to Tua, I think he can be successful, like Jesse said. And one year Tua was fully healthy, played a tremendous uh, you know, Heisman season. He had Irv Smith Jr., similar athletic ability. Maybe Irv Smith Jr. just a tad better in terms of that. But 700 yards and seven touchdowns. I mean, he throws to his tight end, so he knows how to get to an athletic tight end. So Gasecki, I think, is a pretty safe floor that's going in the double digits. He's not even going in the top nine rounds. He's going in the double-digit rounds that I think you can wait on and get and be really happy with your season. Again, the Miami's defense still isn't that good, so they're going to have to throw the ball. So just keep that in mind as well. And coming at number 10, uh, seems to be almost every analyst's uh, favorite tight end in the entire industry for some reason. Hayden Hurst from the Atlanta Falcons, now a new starter after a, two, a year or two years in Baltimore. Uh, we all have him pretty similar. Uh, can we make a case that he, can we make anyone make a big case on Hayden Hurst? Austin Hooper last year. Okay. Austin Hooper was a tight end one basically through the first half of the season. It's possible. Okay, let me let me ask you this, guys. Are you a believer in a breakout for Calvin Ridley? Oh uh, yeah. So I don't have Austin Hooper any. I mean, I don't have Hayden Hurst higher than ten. But yes, I'm all about Calvin Ridley. Okay, so that's my argument against Hayden Hurst. How many? I'd love to see the exact stats, but I'm pretty sure I looked it up. Even in college, like I don't think he was ever a full-time huge producer by himself. I could be completely wrong, but it's hard for me to buy into a guy. First of all, he's a so you want to talk about what we discussed with Gesicki. He is a hot button name. So if you really just didn't know about him and you wanted to take a shot on him, he's definitely a name you could flip if something goes wrong. I'll say that. So, but otherwise. I'm just generally going to steer away from these guys that are being pushed up draft boards without real justification other than the fact that they may in a good offense, but we just don't know. They've never shown us any production in the past, so I'm a little skeptical on Hurst. I'll just say that. Yeah, me too. I'm a little spectacle as well. I mean, I think he can be a tight end one. Because the Dirk Carter offense has always featured a pretty good tight end, but you know how how big is that going to be? You know how many targets does he actually get? You know with both Calvin Ridley personally believing that he's going to break out, and obviously Julio, Julio just being Julio. Remember we have Todd Gurley who's going to catch balls at the backfield. So how big of a breakout he's going to be? I mean I see people have him at tight end six, five. I mean I think that's way too high. I think you're where you're getting him at, and I think in round ten, right now in draft, I think it's a good risk because he's going to probably have productive games, but. Don't don't take this guy as like a round seven, round eight guy because you're just overshooting on a guy with well, we don't even know. I mean, he had two se- two really good seasons in college, Jesse, six hundred yards and, f- and basically six hundred yards back to back seasons, uh, and he only had three touchdowns in college. So it's just like, how do you trust a guy who's never done it on the field yet, and he's not hasn't had the shot? I mean, he got outbeat by a third rounder. Uh, it, to me, that you just have to wait and see. I'm not risking a big investment on my draft capital for a guy like Hayden Hurst off the bat until I get him around 10 or later. And coming to number 11, hey, Austin Hooper, you know, new team, uh, you know, going to be a somewhat of a valuable tight end. I'm not going to mention him because we're going to get through this episode here. But Jonah Smith is one of the biggest uh, differences here. And Jesse, I got to know why Jonah Smith at six? 
boy. I don't have a definitive answer other than the fact that I really do believe in his talent. I think there's nobody in that receiving core beside A.J. Brown that is going to compete with him. I think he could realistically be second on that team at target. Henry doesn't get fed targets out of the backfield. They don't really have anybody behind them besides, you know, Adam Humphreys and Corey Davis. And I am not a firm believer in any of those guys. So I feel like late last season when they really made their push and they made that run in the playoffs, you know, Smith was getting looks in the red zone all over the place. And, you know, call me recency bias, whatever it is, I just had this feeling that he is due for a breakout of sorts. And although they're a run-first offense there, I think he could definitely compete for seven, eight touchdowns in that offense. No, I get your point on that. Like I said, he's a tremendous talent. I'm definitely someone who's willing to draft him in the double-digit rounds. I do like him. I mean, I have him at 15 just because I have him at 15. Uh, but, Jibs, uh, any take on Jonah Smith? You know, do you not expect a big breakout from him? I expect a slight breakout just because the like, Walker's not there and we saw how um, utilized he was in his uh, campaign for the Tennessee Titans. But I, it's just like... I know he could be the second leading target on the Tennessee Titans, but just the low, like, how many targets will that be per game? Like, if you're getting three to four, or we'll say four to five targets, and he catches them all, I still don't think that's going to be, like, a high enough on, like, a week-to-week basis. So I don't think he's going to be, like, established, like, tight end one per se, but I still think he'll have a decent year and he'll be on the scene for next year and fantasy manager will know his name yeah now he's definitely someone who's on the rise in my books here i may move him at some point up a little bit more yeah i have him at 15 uh yeah it can make the case that like everyone's been saying here like he's gonna be maybe second on the team on targets uh, and you've seen his athletic ability to be able to take a 60 yard you know little shot to the house if he needs to uh, to me, I think it comes down to he's going to have a good season, but don't expect a big, big breakout because I think Ryan Tannehill will limit him at some point. If he was on another team, maybe with like a better quarterback, I'd say, oh, wow, this guy's going to break out. But that's kind of why I have him sitting at 15 still. I mean, he could end up definitely not producing his 15th rank than I have him, and I think he could easily. Uh, I'm just a little – I want to see more before I really let him go loose on my rankings. And, what do you think – uh, what what kind of season do you expect from Tannehill? Um, I expect him to be like I have in my rankings, tight at a quarterback sixteen or seventeen. I have him right now. I don't expect him to be a tight quarterback one all season. He have definitely decent games, but his production came from his receivers. And unless they keep continue to do what they did last year, I see him not having as great of a season as he did last year last year i think was a bit of an uh, over efficient kind of season which i don't expect that to happen this year but i think as a fantasy industry we tend to do this where we overcompensate the regression so he was quarterback three last year man when he was playing he was quarterback three so i get the whole regression standpoint and i agree with it myself i think i might have him you know 14 15 somewhere in that range myself. But I just think that there's a realistic possibility that what if that production was somewhat real? Maybe it's not quarterback three, but what if he's quarterback nine? And then we, you know, those, that production is going to come from somewhere. And if Johnny Smith is, is the second leading target in that offense, I guess maybe maybe I need to reevaluate it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe this conversation is good, good to have between you guys are lower on him it'll help me be a little bit more rational and realistic on what his production can be but i don't know for some reason i just have this feeling that he is going to make a weak amount that he has full-time duties there yeah no no i i understand your point on that to me it's just that i'm not willing to move him up that significant of a spot you're talking about He's just moving up too fast off the board for me overall. I just I can't do that. So I mean, he might move up like a spot or two by the time the season gets here. I might throw him over TJ Hawkinson at some point. Maybe Gronk. Maybe Austin Hooper falls down for me a little bit more. It's it's possible. 
I just I want to see more when it comes to camp and see how what what they're doing overall with his production and what his, what his role is in this offense. So that's just why I have him there. So we're going to go to the next couple here because we're getting real big on time here. I know Jib's got to go soon. So Rob Gronkowski comes in at 13. Coming in at 14 is TJ Hawkinson. And 15 comes at Noah Font. And then we're going to go right to number 16. And it's Jared Cook. And Jared Cook obviously had a really good season last year. But Jibs, you have him really high still. Are you expecting similar production from him even with Emmanuel Sanders kind of on the team now? That was one of my blunders, and I'll need to fix that. But I still think he's going to be an option on the team. But um, yeah, I think a, I think I have an eleven. Is that right? That is right. Yes. That's right. Yeah, I think that's way too high. And um, sorry, listeners, but I was just going to poo-poo on Jared Cook. A lot of his production was his touchdowns. Like he was probably like one of the top seven tight ends, and he probably only had fifty catches last year, which is absurd. While everyone else. Or he probably had the lowest target total between all of them, but I just don't think he has the product. I think his production is going to outweigh like where he's, where I have him ranked though. So I think at 16 he might have a fair shot. I think he's a quality tight end too, where you could plug and play. But shame on me for having him at 11. Love the negativity on it. Chips, love the negativity. That's too hot. No, definitely. Uh, Jesse, are you saying a similar trend? You have him at 20. He's not going to repeat, obviously, what he did last season. Yeah, I think not only is he not going to repeat and there's going to be some regression, but like you said, they added Emmanuel Sanders. We also have to factor in the fact that now known over the offseason that Camara was dealing with not only an ankle sprain, but also an MCL issue. And I think he is going to be forced in that offense and behind Camara, Michael Thomas, and Emmanuel Sanders. And if he doesn't get lucky and have a high touchdown percentage, I just don't see where the production is going to come from. If it's not a high touchdown total. Okay. No, definitely, definitely agree on your guys' take there. Um, like I said, Jared Cook, the touchdowns he had, I think it was like a, a touchdown every six receptions. Like, that's just too efficient for me. And Emmanuel Sanders definitely going to take targets away. Kamara is going to probably see double-digit touchdowns at some point again this season. So uh, just you got to fade a little bit on Jared Cook. The more of that veteran veteran guy you get in the double-digit rounds, I think, at this point. And let's keep going here. Dallas Goddard, we kind of mentioned a little bit, comes at 17. Eric Ebron comes in at number 18. And Blake Jarwin comes at number 19 here. And a lot of people are expecting possibly a, a sleeper status on Blake Jarwin, Jarwin this year to Tana. Kind of see production similar to Jason Witten last year, even with all the, the three-headed monster at wide receiver now. Uh, what is your guys' overall outlook on uh, Blake Jarwin this year? I'm out. Time out. No, I, I just said I'm out. I'm out on him. You're out on Blake Jarwin? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's going to be the fourth option, in my opinion. I think Lamb, Amari Cooper, and Gallup are all going to have higher target totals than him. In fact, I would even guess Zeke might have more targets than him. So if he doesn't have a high touchdown total, similar to how we just discussed Jerry Cook, I just don't see where that production's coming from. I get the idea of him being a good talent. I get people really liking his ability but at some point volume rules in the fantasy world and I just don't see where that's going to come from with him Alright, no, definitely get it. Uh, Jibs, what about you? Do you feel a little differently on uh, Blake Jarwin or are you on the same I boat? I feel a little better on Blake Jarwin. I, I think he'll still make an impact. I don't think he'll get <laughs> uh, less targets than Zeke but like with the three, like Dak wants to get all those three receivers on over a thousand yards and if he's saying that and he wants to make it happen i don't think blake jarwin's going to be anywhere near close maybe 450 500 max if he could fit that but um i was higher on him before they got cd lamb i kind of stuck stayed my ground but i think right now i think that's at like 19 like i think i might have him high as like maybe 13 14 after this season so I think 19 is a good spot for him. I think he's a perfect dart throw tight end pick that you could just shoot your shot with with your last pick in drafts, and you could just pray for the best. 
Yeah, no, I, I like I like Blake Jarwin is more of that late round guy. If you choose to completely just bomb the tight end position, getting Blake Jarwin in round like 14, 15, sign me up because Dak loves the throw to the tight end still. Don't get me wrong, I know CD Lamb's there, but the lack of offseason could limit him early on possibly and giving Blake Jarwin more opportunity. If anything, Blake Jarwin could see more opportunity with all the wide receivers. That someone's got to guard these guys. Someone's going to be left open many times, and it could be Blake Jarwin. And, and, you know, but, again, it could also not be. He could also get lost in the fold, and that's kind of what you take when you get him. But you're going to get him in, like, 15th round. I would love to take a shot on him. If I want to bomb the position, if you guys want to bomb that position and get Blake Jarwin, I feel like you're going to either, again, you can either do good or do, you won't do good, but... At that point in the draft, it's like, all right, whatever. You can go get and grab someone next week if it doesn't work out week one. And going over to number 19, uh, Eric Ebron. And then coming at number 20, I had to fix my rankings, guys. I apparently didn't hit publish when I copied this over to our spreadsheet. But coming at number 20 is um, Irv Smith Jr., um, and I had him at 31 at one point, but that was completely wrong because I looked at that. Uh, he comes at my board at 24. And I guess I'll give you my take on him why first. I could be a little low on him. Uh, to me, I don't know how much this offense will really run through the two tight ends. I feel like they brought you know a guy like Kyle Rudolph back for a reason to be that veteran presence on the team. And while I think you saw last year very similar stats from these guys and stats and um, snaps and everything in between, uh, you just don't know how much playing time he's going to get. And I wouldn't want him as my tight end one or anything, but... He has an opportunity to break out, and if you want to take him as like a backup, I think it's a really good opportunity. I think he's a, you know he's definitely a top twenty-four tight end. He could definitely be higher on this list. I just he's not the starter, so it definitely turns me off just a little bit on him. But you guys have him at nineteen and seventeen. Uh, why do you like him over better than a lot of these starters? Uh, so I've been holding out on this guy for so long. I'm telling you guys, I hope to God, none of my league mates are going to watch this or listen to the show. You know, I hope they do. Everything that we're doing over here as fantasy coaches, let it be for everybody else. I'm telling you guys right now, this guy, if you wait to one tight end, this is the guy you want. This guy is super talented. Last year, what not many people realized is the fact that they weren't using him like a typical tight end. They were splitting him out wide. I think they're going to do that a lot. I think a lot of times in the red zone, I think they're going to split him on one-on-one coverage with maybe a linebacker or safety, get him in good matchups. I firmly believe, and I honestly, I, I know I'm being a little bit over the top here, and, and I probably don't even have him as high because of, you know, you have to acknowledge there is some downside. So I'll, I'll preface it by saying that. There is some downside with the pick. But other than that, I love the upside. Are you trying to win your fantasy league or are you trying to come in sixth place? What are you trying to do? So if you're going to wait on that tight end position, this is the guy for you. I'm telling you this guy is talented as hell. He's going to overtake Kyle Rudolph. I could easily see a scenario where he is second on this team in part. Wow. So, yes. So if that is the case, you have to be willing to take a shot on him late. You have to. I would even recommend, unless you're drafting one of the top three tight ends or four tight ends, you know, maybe you want to include Earth in that. If you're drafting Ingram or any of the other mid-round guys, this is the guy I add as that security blanket, and maybe he goes, you know, maybe he blows up, and you can trade one of those other top pure tight end similar to how we had Darren Waller last year I feel like he is in a very similar position they have a weak wide receiver court they have a rookie that is just expected to step in as the second option in that offense and we have like you mentioned the a weird offseason we don't know what to expect and I just feel like he is primed that talent level is prime for a breakout. And whether or not it comes or not this year is another story, but I feel like the upside is enough for me to want to rank him high enough to be higher on him than anybody else in my league. You heard it here first, guys. Wow. Uh, Jibs, any other thing you want to add to Irv Smith? You're high on him too, I see. 
Oh, Jibs. <laughs> he may be. Well, Jibs obviously is so overwhelmed how much he loves Irv Smith Jr. He just physically can't speak at this moment, guys. So we'll continue to go unless he jumps in here in a second. All right, he didn't. All right, so again, after that, Chris Herndon, Jack Doyle, Evan, uh, Gerald Everett, Greg Olson, Ian Thomas rounds up the top uh, 25 of our tight ends. So we're getting close on time here, but one last one, Jesse. Someone you have, one of the people you have outside the top 25 that could maybe see a, a possible top 15 season. Who could it be? Outside the top 25 that will have a top 15 season, you said? Yes, top 15 season. Who could of any of those guys out there? There's plenty of tight ends. Oh, gosh. Putting me on the spot like this. Where's Herndon going? Herndon's going. You he you have him at 19. I have him at 22, 21. We have him. So he's not. Uh, he's still a top 20 guy here. Okay. So where else are we looking? Ebron? How high is he going? He's going higher than even that. <laughs> Oh, gosh. It's hard. I'll let you think. Let you think, and I'm going to go first. I'll go first on it. Um, So for me, guys, it's possible that a guy like Tyler Eifert, and it's not not the craziest thing to think, is that, you know, he's on a new team with Jacksonville, probably going to be the starter. Outside of DJ Shark, I mean, doesn't mean that there's a great talent after that. And he's going – I have him at 32, 33. I mean, I, I don't see them having a big season, but if he was going to have a big season, if someone of these out of tier was, Tyler Eifert could absolutely do it. He finally stayed healthy last year and actually produced pretty solid numbers overall. I was mildly impressed that he was actually able to stay on the field. This is going to be a pass-first team, and I like his ability. And he finished last year at you know tight end 21, so there's no reason why he can't have a top 15 season. It seems less likely, but if I was going to pick a guy who was – out of nowhere, you're probably going to pick him up midseason. It's going to be Tyler Eifert for me. What about Dan Arnold? Dan Arnold. I've heard a lot about Dan Arnold. Uh, why Dan Arnold? I don't really feel confident about it, but I'll just say he's a, he's a seasoned veteran. The Saints used him in ways in certain games last year, in the last couple years even, where – it kind of surprised me how they decided to use him, and, and he really did kind of stick off, you know, stick out of the page as far as, like, athletic ability and being able to create mismatches against those linebackers and safeties. He really did do a good job of winning those matchups when the Saints put him in a position. And I guess the argument would be, hey, you know, let's say something happens to Fitzgerald or maybe something happens to Kirk, and you need that third option to step up in that offense, and maybe he's just a, a touchdown guy. Maybe he's a guy that they use in mismatch situations, and we know they're going to pass a ton in Arizona. So maybe it's just an option where you want to take a shot on a high upside guy. Any Anything after the top 25, I mean, you're really just trying to throw an absolute dart and hoping one of these guys hits. You're not going to take a guy like – I don't know. You're not going to take a guy like Greg Olson or somebody like that that, yeah, maybe you or Jimmy Graham or something. Yeah, you'll get six points, you know, every other week, and it'll be a safe option for you. But is that the way you want to play fantasy or you want to have a little bit of fun? <laughs> uh, a little bit of both, but no, uh, definitely, definitely don't hate your take on that. So, but that is the end of our tight end episode guys uh we talked about as many as we could as before time expired unfortunately we'll try to talk about more of these guys if they come to about on some of our later episodes if you also want to know about more just always shoot us up with questions we can help you out with that as well but uh appreciate you guys for listening in tonight as always please go check out our website www.thefantasycoaches.com uh we're going to be producing some really fun content this season with a lot of our writers here and uh, just podcasts and maybe a third episode this season. We're looking forward to that. We have a bunch of articles. Our rankings are up there right now. So uh, give it all a check out. You can always go follow us at Coaches Fantasy. You can follow me at Coach Stephen P. You can follow Jibs at Hot Take Honcho. And Jesse, let the viewers know about you. Yeah, so my, my Twitter is and I would be remiss if I did not plug our new MLB department as well over at Unwrapped Sports, and that is MLB Unwrapped 
under. Yeah, so uh, if you guys like baseball, definitely go check them out. They're they're a great crew over there, doing some great things. So uh, definitely do that. Thank you guys for tuning in tonight. It's been one hell of a show. We'll be back next Monday. We'll be doing wide receivers all next week, so tune in for that. Until next time, guys, thank you, and have a great day. The back is not far-fetched We got a couple of clock hands I've been feeling super duper How the heck they know the future Come with me, don't be a loser Grass is green like Cooper Scoopers Clueless analysts don't do the half of this In fact, I'm backing this by asking If y'all remember that tough act Interacting shh Like boom, running like zoom The highest and mightiest entered the room High off the knowledge, I'm feeling the fumes All players covered, it's nuts, it's legumes Opponents are doomed, and these are the facts I keep it 100 like I'm running track Listen up, I'ma head back, back to the blowing that, blowing that, blowing that, go.